bulletproof. Or is it just soundproof? We could try. Uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we're in our whisper room right now. There's a cool light above us changing colors. It's pretty cool. You guys probably have seen it on our Instagram. I posted a few pictures. I can't help it. Ricky and his mom built it. We did. It was hard work. Yeah. I actually, like, sliced all my fingers open. I'm sore. What what I'm most worried about is the wall that you guys dinged up and have to fix. I'm only half to blame for that one. (laughs) All right. So before we jump into it, we want to give a shout out to some of our patrons this week. We have Ashley and Lisa. Hey, guys. Thank you guys so much for your support. We really greatly appreciate it, if that made sense. We really That wasn't scripted at all, and it sounded scripted. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, we are. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) Um, It's been a long day. I've been trying to record in between the baby crying, and for some reason, he is, like, wide awake all day. But you know what? He's been sleeping really good. Last night, he slept for six hours, which I was like, what? Yeah, like, Tuesdays and Wednesdays are, like, the days that I go away for work, so it's, like, (laughs) the buddy system dissolves. Yeah, so it's a little... It's all right. We're going to figure out a better plan here soon. It's, like, one-on-one Ashley versus Grayson. So this case this week was suggested to us by our listener, Pamela, and she shared with us a mysterious case that happened in her small hometown of Prestonsburg, Kentucky. After learning more about this case, I couldn't help but try to even imagine what it would be like to be in the shoes of a mom whose daughter vanished completely and left without answers and what seems to be a lack of help from the police. This episode covers the missing case of Candy Green Gonzalez. In well-publicized missing persons cases, the police usually make it a point to let the public know that they are tirelessly working on bringing the victim home and bringing the perpetrator to justice. And that's their job, no matter the circumstances, which is why it is so upsetting when it feels like they're doing the exact opposite. After Candy Green Gonzalez disappeared, it seems as if the very people who are supposed to be helping find the missing 36-year-old from Kentucky were the ones slowing the investigation down. In the months since Candy was thrown out of her home that she shared with the former sheriff's son, her family has met nothing but dead ends and have conducted much of the investigation on their own. Are the police really doing all they can to find Candy, or is there more to the story than they are letting on? With the population of 3,500, everyone in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, knows everyone else. Sandwiched between Levisa Fork River and Dewey Lake, Prestonsburg lies in the easternmost part of the state, only 20 miles or so from the West Virginia border. Candy Green Gonzalez was born and raised in Kentucky, alongside her brother Adam and sister Sue. Candy had worked as a massage therapist for years, but when she became pregnant with her son, she decided her career would take a back seat. She wanted to focus on being a mom and caring for her son Hendrix. He was the most important thing in her life. Although she wasn't with Hendrix's father anymore, she did share custody of the young boy and loved him dearly. Candy shared a home with her boyfriend, Jeff Blackburn. Jeff and Candy lived together on Jeff's father's property on Abbott Creek Road. Jeff's father is John K. Blackburn, former Floyd County Sheriff. Despite his role in law enforcement, both John Blackburn and his son Jeff had a record. In 2015, 
John was arrested for drunk driving, and a few days later, Jeff was also charged with public intoxication. In 2017, Jeff again was arrested, this time on drug charges. Over the next few years, Jeff managed to stay out of trouble and began dating Candy. This past summer, on June 1st, 2021, Candy and Jeff had a massive fight. So bad that Jeff Blackburn kicked Candy out of the house. There have been no details released on what the fight was over or about. All we know is that as a result of the argument, Candy left the house without any of her personal belongings. She didn't have a phone or a purse on her. She left the house wearing her pink short romper. After the fight and leaving the home, Candy was confused, emotional, and disoriented. Not knowing where to go, Candy walked down the street to try and find help. As she walked, she ended up trespassing in a neighbor's backyard. The woman who lived in the house came out to see what was going on and to find out why this woman was in her yard. When the neighbors reached Candy, given that she didn't have her cell phone, Candy asked for the stranger to call her mom, Betty Jo Dixon. When her mother didn't answer, the woman decided to leave a voicemail. In the voicemail, she says, I have your daughter. She says she's your daughter in my yard. She asked me to call you. Her boyfriend apparently kicked her out. In the background of the voicemail, which has now been shared publicly, you can hear Candy talking, but you can't quite make out what she's saying. The woman replies to Candy saying, I thought that's what you were saying. To clear up any confusion, Candy is handed the phone. She says, Mom, hey, not knowing that this was just a voicemail. It's clear from the recording that Candy is deeply upset and distressed. The woman tried to tell her that it was just a voicemail, but Candy only grew more emotional. She calls out for her mom again and again. The voicemail then ends, and this is the last time that Betty Dixon heard from her daughter. From surveillance footage of the backyard, Candy can be seen leaving the house after the voicemail. She's running towards the creek, and suddenly it seems like she just disappears over the edge, and that's it. It's like she vanished into thin air. Stacy Potter, the man who owned the house where Candy made her final call to her mom, reported it was his sister-in-law who had met Candy on the 1st of June. In trying to figure out what happened, Mr. Potter also stated that some teenage boys in a truck presumably there to do some landscaping work further down the street, had noticed Candy while she walked down the street. He said the boys noticed that she seemed like she was in trouble, and it was possible that they wanted to help. According to Betty Dixon, though, the video that shows Candy making her way to the Potter's house paints a less friendly picture. Betty, Candy's mom, believes that it looked as if the boys were circling around Candy and taunting her. Whether the boys meant to bother Candy or to help her, it's possible that she was already panicked and emotional. Unfamiliar people coming up to her might have only added to the stress that was already a tense situation. If this was the case, even though Mr. Potter's sister-in-law at the house was kind and tried to help Candy, if there were others present who made Candy feel even more unsafe, she wouldn't have wanted to stay. She probably felt like she needed to get out of that situation. Once Betty got to her phone and checked her voicemail, she knew something was wrong with Candy and that she needed to help. 
Betty didn't live in town, so she contacted the police to help. By the time that she got off the phone with the police, Betty had a feeling that they simply were not taking her concerns seriously. Betty and the rest of Candy's family, however, were very worried. They felt that given her emotional state, they needed to start searching for Candy right away. They didn't have time to waste while the police determined if Candy was worth searching for yet. Led by Betty, Candy's family scoured the Abbott Creek area to see if they could find any sign of Candy. After searching all night, Candy's family found their first sign of Candy. Her shoes were lying in the creek. With this major break, Candy's family reached out to the Kentucky State Police to report what they found and have the shoes collected as evidence. Initially, the KSP suggested that Betty collect the shoes herself, not caring that they have someone untrained in handling evidence could corrupt the scene. This greatly worried the family. If Candy's case ended with the worst case scenario and ended up moving to trial, the shoes, which were the only real lead in finding Candy, could be unusable and considered tampered with. In the end, it took police three days to collect the shoes for evidence. On June 5th, 2021, the Kentucky State Police finally came out to collect Candy's shoes from the creek and to do their first preliminary search for her. At this point, it was four days after she had been last seen. With the small search crew, they brought a single cadaver dog to the search area. Altogether, despite the large area of ground to cover, the search only lasted 30 to 45 minutes. Stunned at the lack of urgency with which the KSP was handling the disappearance of her daughter, Betty Dixon decided to enlist the help of a private organization that would prioritize finding candy in a way that seemed the KSP wasn't willing to do. In the next few days, an independent search and rescue team arrived. They searched the densely wooded area that surrounded the area where Candy was last seen. They also had divers search the creek. Ultimately, they came up empty-handed. Even this more extensive search did not yield any more leads that could help bring Candy home. On June 19th, over two and a half weeks after she was reported missing, the Floyd County Sheriff's Office, or FCSO, was finally willing to look deeper into Candy's case. But it didn't seem like that much of an improvement compared to the preliminary search. Led by Sheriff John Hunt, investigators looked through the area for six hours before the search was called off. Sheriff Hunt called Candy's disappearance, quote, just the weirdest thing in the world, end quote, emphasizing how strange it was that Candy just vanished into thin air without any leads. Sheriff Hunt also had an optimistic approach to the search. He told the family that members of the community were searching their own barns and homes for candy, quote, to try and help us rule out places that we don't have to go back and search, end quote. While this seems like a nice sentiment, isn't it the duty of the police to investigate and search themselves, just in case any members of the community are harboring evidence that could help them find candy and are possibly lying about it? It seemed at this point that the police assumed that Candy had either run away or was hiding. It seemed that they didn't believe that there could have been any foul play. The only things other than the shoes that could be remotely considered evidence in this case were found in Jeff Blackburn's Candy's boyfriend's car. 
In their preliminary search, the Floyd County Sheriff's Office found Candy's phone, purse, and other personal belongings in the truck. But because Candy was living with Jeff, FCSO believed that she had likely left these items there herself. Not that Jeff could have been involved and put them there later. Though the authorities are in possession of Candy's phone, it's been reported that they are unable to unlock it. Without a passcode or legal permission, there is little that they can actually do with the phone. At this point, if she did leave the house without these belongings, there's little that the phone may even tell us about the few hours before the disappearance anyway. In trying to figure out what happened, Betty Dixon swears that her daughter wouldn't just leave unannounced. Candy was far too dedicated to her son, Hendrix, who never left him, especially under such mysterious circumstances. At this time, Candy's family has taken the case in search in their own hands. Betty and her family are offering up a $10,000 reward for any information that leads them to finding Candy. They've also publicly pleaded for more volunteers to attend the search parties they've organized. They are actively trying to raise as much attention to Candy's disappearance as possible in hopes that someone will come forward. For Betty Jo, after missing an all-too-important call from her daughter on June 1st, she is never away from her phone. She answers every call and hopes that it will be her daughter or the lead that they need on the other line. Unfortunately, this has led to many prank calls and devastating false leads. In one instance, someone claimed to be holding candy for ransom and demanded $5,000 for her return. After investigating, however, the ransom was shown to be untrue, just a vicious scam by someone trying to take advantage of a distraught mother desperate for answers. As of now, it is quickly approaching five months since Candy was last seen or heard from. Given the seemingly little police attention given to Candy's case, locals and those who have been following the case have started to suggest Jeffrey Blackburn, who's Candy's boyfriend, has more involvement than he is letting on. It's been suggested that the Blackburn family, with their connections to the Floyd County Sheriff's Office, are deliberately holding up the investigation. With any missing person, the first 48 hours are critical. But for Candy, the police didn't start investigating until over 80 hours after she was reported missing by her mother. Because John Blackburn has a relationship with the sheriff's office, people wonder if he called in a favor to delay the search for Candy to protect his own son. Locals have postulated a connection to another missing woman from the area with a link to the Blackburn family. Krista Garrett was last seen on August 30th, 2019 at a marathon gas station in Prestonsburg, Kentucky, and she was walking alone. Two months later, Krista called her family to share that she was going to a rehab facility to fight her drug addiction. Her family hasn't heard from her since that call, but no rehab facilities in the area have any record of her checking in. Like Candy, it seems that she just vanished. Krista's appearance is also remarkably like Candy's. They are both thin, blonde, white women in their early 30s. And Krista's family is offering up a $1,000 reward for any leads, but in the last two years, they have gotten no closer to finding their daughter. 
Some locals familiar with the case also believe that Krista was having a relationship with Jeff Blackburn, but this link is tenuous. As days turn into weeks that turn into months, Candy's family grows more and more worried that they may never see her return safely. The area where Candy was last seen is densely wooded with lots of animals in nature that can interfere with any evidence or trace of her whereabouts. The only rumored lead from locals reported on the official Candy Green Gonzalez missing person Facebook page is that Jeffrey Blackburn was arrested on October 8th for public intoxication. According to those in the area, Jeff was taken into custody as he went banging on door to door asking where's Candy. He seemed to be in a bad state, which is partially accounted for by the fact that it was also the day of his sister's funeral. And we aren't sure how she passed away, but there is no suspicion of foul play. Those following Candy's case hope that this drunken outburst might be a sign that Jeff Blackburn is ready to share his side of the story or at least try to provide answers that can bring Candy home. As of today, Betty Dixon and the rest of Candy's family hold out hope that she'll be found soon. Hashtag Candy's Army still hosts search parties in the Abbott Creek area in hopes of uncovering a clue as to what happened to Candy on June 1st. They've also started a petition for the FBI to aid in the investigation and search. Given that the Floyd County Sheriff's Office has, in their opinion, not been responsive enough, they believe that it is time to bring in an outside source to help find Candy. In the meantime, Betty Dixon continues to answer every phone call just in case it's her daughter on the other line. We hope Betty and her family find answers soon and Candy is found safe. And if you're interested in more about this petition, we will have the link in our bio on Instagram and on our website, but you can also find it at change.org. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. We will see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.